Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Welcome everyone and welcome this week's guest, Michael Sack. Michael, how are you? Fan-fucking-tastic. How are you? <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Straight into it. We told me before you, you jumped on about uh, just being authentically yourself and if people don't like it, they can get fucked basically. So <laughs> we've just got straight to it, yeah? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. <laughs> cool, man. Um, I love the logo there. So you're, uh, you're a PT and you're helping people to get, to get strong. Um, do you love that side of it yourself? I love it. Mate, it's uh, it's been a passion of mine for for a long time, and I was like, well, I did a lot of different careers, and then eventually I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go back into go back there to study it, and got certified about three years ago, and uh, pretty much the rest is history. Awesome. So when you say you you've always been into it, like from a young fella, you've always just loved the the physical fitness. Yeah, when I was about, I think I was about four years old, I started playing soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And from that point onwards, it was um, it was one sport after the next, whether it was soccer, rugby, swimming, golf, golf, believe it or not. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I did a lot. I, was, I, I ran a lot. I swam a lot. Um, and then about seven years ago, I got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and that's what I do today. Awesome. I don't know if you've watched any of the previous episodes. I'm sure you've watched them all. I'm just joking. But uh, um, Frank Barker, I interviewed uh, a few weeks back, who who actually has his own um, school. His own venues, yeah. He's got a few venues around the country. He'd be a good one for you to listen to. He's a great man. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Um, and, of course, for the listeners too, if you haven't checked that one out, go and check it out. Frank's a very funny dude as well. Um, so we were talking before you jumped on that, like, you've had a – it's almost like a um, a cascading effect of different life events that have happened since since the initial big moment. So, so tell us, Michael, about that, that sort of big moment that really started changing – your life, what unfolded and how that impacted you. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> you're talking about, you were talking about that uh, you'd been in a relationship for three years and then you went through this massive s- stress period and that resulted in a, a massive physical reaction from your body. Yeah. So 
And just to give a little bit of context, I was living overseas in Israel. I grew up in a very Zionistic household. I went to a youth movement where they promoted a living in Israel and working in Israel. So working the land and this and that and a whole bunch of other, a whole bunch of other stuff. When I finished my studies, um, when I finished TAFE, the natural progression for me was to move to Israel. My best mate, he still lives there. Um, he moved there just before me, and I followed. I followed suit. Uh, fast forward. Uh, fast forward a little bit. I was going out with this one. I was going out with this one girl, and living in Israel. Yeah, it's there's a lot of amazing things there, but it's also a super tough country. I was working hard. Um, our relationship at the time was very, there was a lot of tension and nothing was, uh, we weren't working through such tension. Um, eventually it just built up, built up, built up, built up, built up. And then event, and then eventually I had a seizure, believe it or not, the, between the lack of sleep and stress, it can lead to some really fucking devastating things. And yeah. a lot of people are just overlook it, but it's fucking, it's, it's hard. I had a seizure um, and it flipped my life upside down for the good and for the, I was like, there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So just firstly, physically, like you had a seizure, but were you then like we talk and rushed to hospital sort of territory? Yeah, and what so and what was what was that whole? Were you unconscious through all of that, or like what what do you remember of that actual day? So it was actually three o'clock in the morning. I was super. It was really really late. I I was asleep, and my ex at the time, she came. Uh, she came in. Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but she came in and she was you know, like, she was drunk. Um, she had a bit of a drinking problem. Um, but we had a, we had an argument and I had the seizure. And then afterwards, um, I don't remember having the seizure, but what I do remember is waking up my ex holding one arm, a paramedic on the other. And the paramedic asked me, do you know where you are? I have no idea. Um, do you know where you are? What time it is? Basic questions. I had no idea. This was this was me being. I was told all of this. I didn't. I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Um, so I was obviously in shock, and all was like when anyone gets knocked out or gets or gets hit in the head. Everything is upside down and inside out. You don't know where, what's what or hmm. whatever. Um, it was only when I got into, it was only when I was admitted into the hospital and um, one of my ex friends who were there, um, I, this was the first time in a really long time that I actually just started bawling my eyes out. I was scared. Yeah, I was um, 
I was more scared because of what happened, of all those things that just built up. And at the time, I wasn't really the emotional type. I would just be like strong and hold it in. It's very typical Israelis. You won't get an Israeli that'll bore their eyes out unless something fucked up has happened. It's a stereotype, but it's true. Yeah. Israelis are stubborn as a mule. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was a monumental experience in my life, to say the least. Oh, so, so just me knowing how the body reacts in different, to different situations, it kind of feels like all of that emotion that you'd been suppressing for years all just came out in a flood in that moment. Mm, yeah, very do, much, very much so. Do you think the suppressing would have contributed to the seizure? Or Absolutely. That, yeah? Absolutely. Um, when you can't re- when you don't know how to regulate emotions, stress, whatever, it builds up. Um, it's like being a being a personal trainer, I do have a holistic point. I do have a holistic point of view about when you have a lot of like stress or whatever, there's going to be a tension, a certain tension right on your chest. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who can relate to this. Yeah. Um, but if you can't regulate and let it go in a healthy fashion, it builds, it definitely builds up. I'm sure there's more into it, but um, yeah, when you push everything down and suppress it it's probably not the best decision (laughs) (laughs) yeah but as you say it's very uh it's very normal thing to do uh you mentioned israel it's very much the case well it's as you know it's it's very much the case in australia as well right we might be getting better but typically we spend a lot of time suppressing so i think a lot of people can relate uh and again i've spoken to other people around similar scenarios where it's like they, they can put it down to the fact that when this particular thing happened, because they hadn't been dealing with it, then other things played out. So I love that you've you've highlighted that and just called it out for what it is because it's important for the people to realise exactly what you said, but having that ability to regulate emotions. So I'm particularly drawn to the ability of physical training. I know you do holistically, but physical training in, in itself is massively beneficial for the regulation effect too, right? Absolutely. Um, that's the one it's the one thing that I love and being able to be the catalyst of change for someone, big or small. Love so it. So when I'll give I'll give a I'll give an example. That's a guy that I one of my current clients, his obviously I'm not gonna name names or whatever, but his mum leading up had some pretty serious uh, surgery and i was uh, like from the gp to the specialist and everything leading up leading up to that felt felt that he was under a lot of pressure and rightfully and rightfully so to your mommy's having she's having a major surgery and me being able to get him through a tough workout helped a lot. Yeah, awesome. Now, given you said you come with that holistic approach, 
like what other things do you add in which would be different from your typical PT to help people with that emotional regulation? Um, for one, I think nutrition plays a massive part where every food is on the every food is on the table, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but um, every food is on the table. There's no good or bad. There's just equal. So obviously if you eat a fucking block of chocolate, then obviously it's bad. But having a having a like a piece of chocolate every now and then that's not bad at all. Um, the people need to change the conversation around their around food and not be so tight. Mm, yeah, that's so good because it's often often the, the guilt and the shame around what people are eating that, that causes the most drama, right? But it's like the intention you be put behind the food, like everything's energy, the intention you put around what you're putting in your mouth, that's going to have massive, massive impact. Sure. Um, I'm, also, I'm also a believer in, okay, well, you have death. When you're overtrained, take the time to actually rest. Do some mobility work, stretch, go for a walk, and give your time, uh, give your give your body a day off, and then the next day you'll see that your workout is so much better than trying to push when you're when you're just overtired, when you're overtrained. Yep, spot on. Oh, sorry, say that again. Big believer in that. Yeah, yeah. Massive, massive. Um, it's it's almost like uh, otherwise exercise just becomes another addiction, right? You keep pushing yourself and you keep flogging yourself to a whole other level. It's not healthy. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about the aftermaths of the seizure. So you said in the moment you didn't remember and, and that was all really strange, but like how long did the did the physical effects of, of that seizure impact you? Physically, not that much, other than when I fell, I whacked my shoulder. Like I fell on it hard. Luckily, I didn't break anything, but now one shoulder, when I go up against the wall, one shoulder is higher than the other. So that's the only physical aftermath, but everything else was fine, other than this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um anyone who's sat at a computer for long periods of time using a mouse would probably have the same sort of shoulder. I know one, one of my right ones a little bit different now from many years in corporate sitting there using a mouse. So, um, there you go. <laughs> I'd much rather do it that way than falling after a seizure. That sounds awful. So, yeah. so you go from, is that, was that pretty much the end of the relationship or the beginning of the end? It was the beginning of the end. Um, shortly after that, the relationship did come to an end. I can't remember how long afterwards, but shortly after the relationship ended. And I remember coming back from work and seeing all my clothes and all my bags on the outside of the door she threw fucking everything out wow so on a 
Friday evening. For those that don't know, Israel or the Middle East, they work from Sunday to half of Friday, most most times. I was doing five and a half days. Most people work Sunday to Thursday and then have Friday and Saturday off. So I come home after half a day of work or work in construction and it's Friday after it's Friday evening and I have nowhere to go. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. <laughs> so I call up I call up one person, he doesn't answer. Oh, okay. I call up another mate of mine. Um, he's a good he's a absolute absolute godsend. I love this guy to bits. Um I give him a call. I'm like, hey, I'm a bit of a situation. Um, can I crash at your place? And he's like, sure. And luckily, he was just around the corner. It was about a five, 10 minute walk. Yeah. So I ended up, he said, you can stay here for a couple of days. I'm like, shit, okay, well, I got to, after a couple of days, I got to figure out where I'm going to go. That, that stay lasted about four months. Wow. Which what a was fucking insane. So yeah. I was still working. I was still training at jiu-jitsu right throughout. I never stopped. I never stopped. I like the jiu-jitsu has been my absolute godsend. It's really helped me through some really tough times in my life. And, uh, I'll keep doing it till the day I drop. Anyways, um, so yeah, I stayed. I stayed at this guy's place for about four months. Um, uh, yeah, what? Where, where else do you want me to go from this? Well, I guess it's. Uh, I'm always curious about the impact of that. Like we talked about the physical impact of the seizure, but I imagine the the uh, emotional side of that may have lasted longer. And then straight off the back of that, you kicked out and all your stuff thrown on the street. Like, yeah. what was your what was your headspace like in the in the aftermath of all of that? Survival. Yeah, right. And how does survival how does survival play out for you? What sort of signs show up for you? What you signs? Yeah. So, how do you know you're in survival mode? That's a really good question. I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain it. Um, I think a. I actually have no idea how to. I don't know how to explain it. I think so a survival. It, yeah, go on. Oh, so it's like a, you. You got a sense of it, but but it was like, was it your thinking, or is it only in looking back now with with hindsight that you're able to to see that's what you were in it was even then i was like even at that very moment even when i was thrown out and blah 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 all that other stuff it was it was just immediate it wasn't there wasn't a hindsight it was i got clothes i've got i still had a job i was doing security um it was i need a roof over my head 
and I need some food in my belly. That was the first thing that I was thinking about. So it's like all other luxuries, everything else was just out the window. I was like, okay, well, I got all these clothes. I got all this shit. I, I need a roof over my head kind of thing. So, Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's amazing when we're, when we're in those really difficult times how we fall back to those those foundational elements. Uh, yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's like what 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 are the minimum minimal things we need for for survival? And it's yeah, all those things you described: safety, roof over your head, food. It's yeah. massive. Um, yeah. So how? Because I know, like one of the big things that we're going to talk about is is you know shifting mindsets. How how were you able just to keep moving yourself forward? Was it having that support of of your mate there who's taken you in, or was there something else that was allowing you to move forward, or was it literally just it's in that survival mode, just like I'll just get through the next hour, the next day, and see where we go? I had job. I had a job that was allowing me to bring in some cash. Uh, and I had jiu-jitsu and that was it why is jiu-jitsu so so pivotal in that journey and also now how you've already said it's going to be will be to the day you die like what what is what did it give you and what is it still giving you that that perhaps nothing else could have at that time in your life um so Firstly, it was the support. It's the support more than more than anything. It's an hour and a half out of your day where you don't have to think of the outside problems. You just don't. You have quote unquote this imminent threat where some guy is trying to strangle you or break your limb and now obviously you've got a way out you can tap into the person that's a go but when it's the closest thing to a fight but it's controlled so you don't have to think of any outside bullshit yeah you just don't so when it's so when you have an amazing community of people that love the sport and you have a professor, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, mm. but when you have a professor that actually genuinely cares about you, it it means the absolute world. It, it was like, it was amazing. Yeah. It, and it was so good. <laughs> yeah. And, and given what you've just been through prior to that where you weren't getting that support, and you've got this place that you know you can rely on, that must have just been massive. No wonder you're emotional. <laughs> I haven't talked about it in a while, but it, yeah. it was absolutely massive. I was like, that was, that was, yeah, that was the only reason why I, yeah, it was the only reason why I stayed in Jerusalem for that reason. That was where I was living in the main city. This, hmm. There's a whole bunch of main cities to ride throughout to to Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And that was the only reason why I stayed there. I was like, I am paying 
like I'm working to pay for jujitsu and that's it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you said you got emotional. Like what was it that that professor gave you that, uh, maybe um, it's intangible, right? Like the, the, the unspoken part of what he was able to provide for you that you so desperately needed at that time. It was just that it was just that break from, from the day, from the reality. Um, hmm. Yeah. Um, I told him, like, he helped me through not only that, but also, like, relationship issues. I would go do, like, I would do a class with him. So he's a black belt. I was a white belt at the time. So experience-wise was astronomical. Um, but he helped me through, he helped me through that. Um, talked about a lot of different stuff. Um, but yeah, really just, he was just there to listen and he can, he tried to help me find a place to live at the time. He's a guy from Jews for Jesus. So he had a whole community behind him. So he reached out to a whole bunch of people and asked and nothing really came from it, but he was going out of his way. He said he runs a school. He has all, he, he has his own family, but he went out of the way, which was huge. Like yeah. he really opened up his heart in a really big way. Awesome. Huge. And we've all had moments in our life when we've needed someone like that to come and, uh, yeah. to come and help us at our greatest need. I don't know about you, but for me, because it's happened for me so many times, I just have such a strong desire to give that back to other people that I see in similar places to, to where I was helped. Right. Yeah. In a hindsight, I was thinking everything is happening to me. But leaving Israel coming back to Australia and changing the way that I saw these events was happening for me at the time. And when you're going through, when you're getting, when you're going through the shit, it's like, why the fuck is all of this happening to me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? And it's easy to do that. And I don't blame you by any means. But when you change the narrative around it's happening for me and not to me, it just stress is relieved so fucking quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Simple, simple shift, but massive outcome on it. Absolutely. So good. So you said, well, you're still there. Then after you, after you had that four month period, you actually moved out to a village. Why, why did you move? Why did you make that move? Was it for opportunity? Um, Cause you said it was actually moving away from the support that you had in your life. Yeah. So, I had a, well, I have a mate, a good mate of mine. He's, he's still living there years. He's been there for a while. And he was living in this hippie lifestyle where he wouldn't, he wouldn't work. And pretty much he was living with other hippies that would live in the forest or the desert or whatever. So I was like, I gotta get out of the city. It's too chaotic. And so I got myself a job 
working in agriculture and mm. it was so far away from everything <laughs> there was literally to get to the closest city was um about an hour and a half bus ride yeah so it was there was literally nothing to do other than work sleep and smoke dope that was it <laughs> that was all there is but my mate at the time was um living not too far away so i was like i need to get away from the city and just be by myself with these other guys that were just doing the same thing and yeah that was my that was my call that's what i wanted to do at the time was there part of that removing yourself from that that, that you can identify now is really quite healing i wouldn't say healing because i i didn't really do the healing work if i don't really like the i don't really like the word healing because it's thrown around I wasn't doing the necessary groundwork to move through traumatic experiences. Um, I wasn't doing that by any means. My thinking of moving forward was isolating myself, not isolating, but moving away from my friends at the time and just smoking weed. And that's what I thought would help, but they didn't. So. Um, I think it's like anything like that, right? It needs to have structure and it needs to have context. And as you and as you rightly said, you, you actually need to be working through the trauma that you've just been through. So, given that you didn't work through that, of course, what the inevitable happens, which is another massive moment. So, tell us a little bit about the lead up to that moment and what unfolded for you there. So, at the time. I was still working in agriculture. So you'd wake up bright and early, like super duper early before the sun. Because by the time the sun comes up, the Israeli sun is so hot. Even when it's, even when it's winter, by the sun comes up, it's still really, really hot. So I was working in agriculture, waking up super duper early, working in my ass off. I'd get back to my apartment, I would have a 15-minute nap, and then I would jump on the bus and my I would jump on the bus to go train jiu-jitsu twice a week. I was like, jiu-jitsu was the one thing that kept me sane, I'm gonna keep doing it. It didn't matter the distance, didn't matter the cost, I was just going to do it. But the cost of that was an hour and a half there trained for an hour, hour and a half, and then an hour and a half bus ride back. And I did that almost, I think, uh, three times a week. So if while you're trying to juggle the both of that with not a lot of sleep, it all adds up really fucking quickly. And then eventually, after doing that for about four months' time with, with not a lot of sleep or all that other stuff, and obviously when you're... But when you're smoking weed, it doesn't 
it doesn't it just suppresses it you think that you're working it through this kind of stuff but you're not you're really not you know, weed is a I'm, a I'm a huge advocate of it but um it's a drug and done irresponsibly can really fuck you up um nonetheless i had a, another meltdown uh, too much stress on my shoulders and in the middle of the in the middle of the field in this massive long field i just had a complete meltdown i'm like i can't keep doing this yeah uh, it was hard yeah it was it was challenging at the time for sure so physically or more just mentally like you just like both yeah so so describe the describe the scene and, and then what unfolded um describe the scene so i was i think i was picking i was picking some kind of fruit i don't remember what i think i was picking grapes you have to think about this field is hectares long it really fucking long so um with all of that stuff happening with all of that stuff happening and it's just you and your thoughts and you're exhausted and you're doing this physical work i'm trying to paint a picture of that all the odds are stacked against all the odds are stacked against you I'm not trying yeah. to turn out to be this victim or whatever but i'm just going back to where it was to where i was yeah um yeah it was i just you just collapse you just it's like when you're stuck in your own head and you have no way to get it out and it's um yeah i was like i can't keep doing this <laughs> i just can't yeah is your mind going to uh, sort of doomsday sort of thought processes? Um, yeah. Are you thinking like worst case scenarios about everything? Like, yeah. It's what a lot of people like to refer to as hitting rock bottom. Yeah. Where you don't think you can go any lower, but then your rock bottom is going to be vastly different to somebody else's. So when it's a complete and utter feeling of helplessness, it's, it's terrifying at the time, but it also gives you an opportunity to rebuild. So you can either stay in that miserable state for the rest of your life, or you can say, okay, it's time for it. It's time for me to do something different. Um, different, it can be anything. It doesn't mean that you're going to be this world-class speaker overnight, but just do something different. Different than that of what you were doing at that very moment. So it's like either turn left or turn right of the green pill or the blue pill. The green pill or the fucking one of them. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I love how you describe that because I think so many will be able to relate to that, having been through those dark moments myself and then it feels exactly like you described. It's like that helplessness 
terrifying and then ultimately exactly it's like okay well there's an opportunity here so what was the opportunity and how did you find it so shortly afterwards about a month later a month and a half almost two months later i got a call from mum <laughs> our mums are fucking superheroes they just know <laughs> they, they just know. know when you're going through shit i get a yeah. call from her it's like hey michael you want to come back to australia for a holiday and i'm like absolutely um, yeah. at the time i got a new job as uh working with sheep so work, uh, so working with animals there's no real rest you're always at the beckoning of these animals always so it's like you have a day off oh there's a cow that's sick you have to stop what you're doing and go take care uh, go take care of it uh, uh, like a baby calf is a baby calf is sick you have to drop what you're doing and do that so i started working at this new job and i told the guy absolute absolute sweetheart and i'm like Hey, I'm coming. I'm going back to Australia for the time was a month, and then when I come back, I'll be good to go. Yeah. Um, well, that was five years ago, <laughs> six years ago. He's still waiting, yeah. is he? Ah, uh, he's still waiting for you to come back. He's forgotten about me from the day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, isn't it amazing? It's like uh, a sixth sense for mums. Um, just seem to just seem to know when there's something needed. How good are they? Uh, yeah. So, so you go home for a holiday in inverted commas, but then what? What was the catalyst for you to stay? So, at the time, I had a mentor of mine. Um, I started off in a network marketing company called New Skin. And he was doing a well for He was doing a well for himself, but he was also doing an NLP. I didn't know he was doing an NLP, but I saw how drastically his, his life changed. And he was making, he was making good money. So I'm like, I need two of those. Yeah. I need good money and I need my life to be changed. So I came back, I got in touch with him. He got me in touch with this, with his coach, Luke Hawkins, and he did not stop calling me. He just called me and called me and incessantly. He just over and over and over and over and over. And I'm like, fuck, okay, I'll do your course. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the very first course I was at NLP, and I knew nothing about it. Yeah. And I was like, this is intense. I'm going to be doing a lot of very tough work in a very short period of time. So, um, there's good, there's pros and cons, obviously, to everything. But... Yeah, and that really started me on my personal development journey. 
to me, the, the greatest gift in learning to be an NLP practitioner is the healing that you undergo in that week of training yourself, right? So we what? Did. The first course was 12 days. Yeah. So what did you get out of that training in terms of oh. your own in terms of your own uh, shift in? A lot. Um, fuck, that, was, that was more than one point. That, was a, that wasn't just one thing. Um, it first allowed me to really... Fuck, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to... The first one was allow me to really move on from from my granddad passing away. I wasn't able to regulate that very. I didn't I didn't um, handle that very well. So allow me to move forward slightly a little bit from that. Uh, and it helped me through the previous four years leading up leading up to that, all the experiences I had in Israel that helped me take a step forward. I wouldn't say a complete healing because the only time everything is completed is when you're six feet under. It yeah. never ends. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll just say it the way it is. So when someone says I'm completely healed, it's bullshit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, you can take a massive step forward. Yes, you can improve your life drastically. Yes. I am not saying I'm not saying that. But when they say you're completely healed, we're human. We have so many fucking emotions running through us on the daily. It's like yeah. oh, I'm fully healed. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go the other way now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll speak to you at the end of the day after you've interacted with a whole lot of other humans and you can answer that same question and see if you still Absolutely. feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and I think that's um without trying to scare people listening, but that's really an important point to emphasize is it's not it's not like we go, Oh, it's gonna peel this layer back and everything will be fine. It's like no, no, like we, we continue to do what we need. To continue to to get to the uh, an improved version of us, mm. otherwise you just keep going back and recycling the same event or the same pattern over and over again, right? Yeah. Um, and after that, shortly afterwards, I did. Shortly afterwards, I did. So I did an NLP, and then I did a master prep, and that was. 14 days and that was even more intense because you're doing you're doing timeline therapy you're doing reassessing of values and when you're going through timeline therapy and you're doing reassessing reassessing of your values you need to know what are your values well i'm not talking about writing an entire book of it at least knowing where you stand on your first two so the first two for me are health and growth. Growth is scary, but um, the growth is also multifaceted. So you get to choose where you want to grow. So I learned this only recently. Um, 
it can either be through your profession, it can either be through your uh, personal development, it can either be through you want to learn how to skydive, you want to learn how to read a book, write a book, you want to, it doesn't matter. But at least to knowing what your first two values are and taking the time to know that is makes life pretty easy because you know where you want to direct your life somewhat. It's like a daily decision-making process, right? You know when your values are. Am I running through that filter? Am I actually living to those key values? Yeah. Um, and it's also it also takes courage. It also takes courage to... to to do that um but when you know the values is a big word but to put it lighter more simpler the things that you like doing like um it's like are you doing the things that you like doing going to the gym jiu-jitsu surfing swimming hanging out with cool people. You don't have to make it such this grandiose thing. And those simple things in life that are so important to you are are massive. And it's amazing, even you talk about now, I think about how many people that I've spoken to who think that, oh, well, once I do this, I'll make time for all of those things. But they are what drive everything. You have to have those in place first, right? What do you mean? Having having those key elements, like hanging out with cool people, doing the things that you love, that they're the drivers that actually give you the fuel for the rest of it, sure. not the other way around. Yeah. Um, I'm, realize, I'm realizing more and more that you can't have to live, uh, to live in a world, you have to have a bit of both. And because it's like you can't be living on cloud nine twenty four seven. It's just uh, we we live in a, we live on Earth. We're surrounded by different people. We sometimes have to do things so that we don't enjoy. I'm doing a job that I don't enjoy by any means, but it allows me to do a lot of different stuff. It allows me to go to the gym, or do jiu-jitsu, to surf, to swim, or to do all, all this fun shit. But it doesn't mean I'm going to be there for the rest of my life. No, no. And I think that the thing that people get muddled on is, is is comparing time and priority. Sure, a job is going to take up a heap more time. That doesn't mean you're putting more priority on it. It's just making sure you are prioritizing the other things enough at the level that they need to be to fuel the rest of it. And, uh, like, I'm, I'm more than happy doing a lot of work in a given week because I love what I do. But it doesn't mean I'm still not finding the smaller times to prioritize what I know fuels me to what actually fills me up. And I'm, I'm not, not jujitsu, but the, the other elements for me that, that are serving the same purpose for me, as you said, they regulate emotions. They have that holistic approach. It's a physical release of different things. That's just so important to build that into your daily habits. Sure. So you go from having these different careers even now you're you're transitioning out of uh out of a current role to making pt more of your thing what what was the sort of tipping point where you went all right i need to i've done the mindset stuff i now know how to to not only 
change myself but but change other people's lives what was it that what was the tipping point that got you to realize that pt was going to be the the next thing that you wanted to get certified in well i did a lot of careers um in israel and in australia and sydney and i um it got to a point where i was like i'm tired of doing other things that, that i don't enjoy and exercising and bringing friends along there to exercise i liked it i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it and selfishly my the way that i saw personal training wasn't to, to impact other people that came secondary first one for me was i can make a career out of it and that's super important that's super important to me i also value stability no one wants to it's like that at least for me the feeling of the unknown scares the living shit out of me and i'm sure it does for a lot of other people but knowing that it's a career and that it's also a passion is like well it's a win-win um so i worked part-time at a startup driving around doing deliveries while i was also studying um three years three years ago i got certified as a pt yeah awesome uh you mentioned a word there that kind of ties into a theme of a lot of the stuff you, you mentioned stability and it felt like it's a real big part for you you know giving you that certainty um you've talked about support uh, and how important that was through those survival times as well. But all of those things you're talking about, they're, they're all elements of support, right? So sure. twofold question, yeah. what, how do you place the importance of support in your life? And secondly, actually I'll ask, answer that one first, then we'll come to the next question. Um, yeah, so, so how how valuable how did how much value do you place on support and having support in your life how, how important is that for you i think it's very i think it's a very important just due to the fact that you can't do everything on your own um when you when you can talk to people that, that you love is uh, it's big it's very it's very very big try to do it on my own and look how that turned out um support is very big it's very very big and um yeah it's always it's like i grew up in a very family orientated household and still to this day um yeah so it's always it's always been a major theme in my life um yeah so Whenever you want to endeavor on, on doing something big, you're going to need some people the way you can speak to, 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 yeah, just to be around. Um, I'm really drawn to something that showed up physically for me when you were talking about, uh, I think this is might even before we came, came on air. Before the incident, with your, your seizure with the girlfriend or the ex, you mentioned that your, your one of your best mates actually moved to Israel first. Was, was he someone that had been a big support in your life and then suddenly he leaves and, and that leaves a bit of a hole? No. Nah. No? Um, we were both 
he was in a different youth movement. Well, but uh, I was in I was in a more of a religious one. He was he wasn't. Um, but we talked we talked about moving to Asia for years prior to that. We talked about <laughs> we talked about a lot of different stuff. It's like uh, we talked about a lot of different stuff. About the major factor around was around the Israel about joining of the army, serving in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, about contributing to Israeli culture. That was fucking massive. That was a lot of the conversations. We would do like we would go on runs. We would do these stupid workouts sober or not <laughs> yeah yeah so was, um, talk, talk me through the importance of that is is that something that you'd aspired to from a young age like was it the physical aspect was it like, what, what was it that really drew both of you to that to the army well, to that 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 whole concept of what you were talking about then of going to israel of, of joining the army all of those different elements that that are involved in it the community around us at the time. I went to a Zionistic youth movement and so did he. So you don't know what you don't know. And um, it's like when people are talking, uh, when the people are talking about it constantly, not constantly, but when you go to a youth movement and that theme is based around a living in Israel or serving in the uh, serving in the IDF, giving it back to Asia. That's what you know. Hmm. I'm not trying to paint to this indoctrinated point of view. I'm not. But um, that's what we knew and that's what we talked about. I talked about a lot of other stuff. But hmm. yeah. um, if, we, if we draw on the, the comparisons to NLP, it's like if we hear any modeling or conditioning from any parts of our life the same thing happens in a family environment like the the belief systems that have been carried through for generations they often get repeated because it's the same things that are repeated it's 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 just really normal right it doesn't mean that there comes a time where you realize that 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 particular message for you wasn't helpful is that about right yeah so how have you how have you made sense of that and if you think about it you've gone over there it kind of sounds like whether, whether it was by design or coincidence when you've been over in israel that's where things have started to unravel like how do you process that whole time of your life given how it unfolded and why it unfolded it's an experience okay so so what, <laughs> so what about in a way that people will understand so Clearly, because you've done a fair bit of this training, that you've uh, let go of a fair bit of stuff and you've made sense of a fair bit of stuff. But what about to someone who, who's never done NLP, they've, they've never experienced uh, hypnotherapy, any of these different things? How, like, how, how, would they, how would you be able to explain how you would process that from a logic perspective? Really good question. Um... The thing that I do to this day is what what are the pros of this? What are the good things that have come out of this um, 
if I'm to sum if I'm to summarize everything, like well, through my hypnotherapy and all of that kind of stuff, what are the uh, what's the good that can come from this, and what are the lessons that I can learn today to move forward? It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really is, but it's also, it's like, we want to, our ego will try to keep us in this victim, in this victimhood per se, and then um, being self-aware of, being aware of that, that's where you can take the baby step. Yeah, I'm drawn to conversations I've had with my coach uh, around exactly that, and it's okay. I've, I'm I'm talking about a really challenging experience, and you know it was this and it's that, and I'm talking about all the negative, and it's like just write down all of the good elements that came from that experience. Yeah, and then you start writing, and you just realise even through what seems like a really difficult time, there's so much positive. So I love how you've summed that up. That's that's perfect. Yeah, focus on what's been good. It is really is that easy. It's as simple. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You don't have to spend. You don't have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I just gave you the fucking golden nugget right there. So <laughs> save yourself some time and effort. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> Oh, so good. So, Michael, tell tell us a bit more about your the PT work you're doing, and and I also love to hear because I, I get the sense this will be big. Um, what do you see the future of your life in business? Because I'm sure it's bigger than just just purely the physical elements of PT. Um, so, what I do at the moment with PT is mostly general population. A lot of um, 95% of the equation is general pop. So guys who were corporate, dads, mums, um, or guys who just have a lower back pain or just want to lose weight. Um, so I'll help people obviously exercise, but we'll also do um, part of their nutrition. I helped this one guy. Uh, this guy that I'm still training, um, I helped him quit smoking, which was awesome. massive. Um, yeah, I didn't. Do, I didn't do a hypnotherapy. He wasn't. He wasn't interested in it. But I gave him a couple of pointers, and he was able to quit. Um, so help him through that, and that's a, that's about it. Um, just just to really emphasize that point is that uh what i've had someone describe to me is it's proximity right someone in your space you're you're taking some of that mental and emotional load while they do the physical work that you'd actually it doesn't even feel like you're having to do a heap but it's the support that you've talked about throughout this chat is that you're giving them that support and that space to be able to do whatever it is they need to do like it's yeah it's it's powerful man the work you're doing sorry keep going um so that that's uh, that's uh, that's about it. Um, obviously, the nutri- obviously the nutrition, uh, training, anything anything else 
um, or whatever, or whatever really comes up, and you're, you're like you're dealing with you're dealing with another human being. So there's a lot of a lot of moving the pieces at any given point in time. And so it's like, okay, well, this is this person is acting like that, and he's uh, and he, and he's like he might be going under under a lot of stress. So it's like, how can I help him get through that? So there's never not a moment of work glorified cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. Um, business wise, obviously I want to make personal training my full time gig. I absolutely love it. I enjoy it. It's hard, but I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm making my full time gig ideally to be getting about thirty to forty clients a week. Eventually, have my own little garage gym filled with weights and clients and I'm training clients out of that gym, out of that garage and that's the that's a dream awesome I also I'm going to make some assumptions here because I was really drawn to some of your social media posts that you put out is that uh, you take great pride in helping other people just paying it forward, right? Just to actually just make a difference in people's lives by sharing those nuggets of wisdom like you've already done for all of us today. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 more than just the business side of things, right? It's actually the impact and the difference you want to make in people's lives. I love it. I just <laughs> I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it, really. <laughs> fucking cool man uh michael thank you so much for sharing your journey and uh like you said so much uh the nuggets of wisdom and you've shared so many of them today i really appreciate you i really appreciate your time thanks mate it's my absolute pleasure i hope you enjoyed this episode of the grief code podcast thank you so much for listening please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.